Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. How are you this evening? Hi, Dad. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Before we start, I just need to apologise that there was a bit of a technical glitch on last week's podcast. Uh, this has now been rectified. I think it was stopping after around about 20 minutes, but that's now been fixed. So you should be able to hear the whole thing now. Otherwise, I'm all right. I've had a bit of a busy day. Um, you have, haven't you? Yeah, med- medically, I suppose. Um, fortunately, my my company has given me the day the day, given us all a day off. It's a global day off. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. That's nice of them. Yeah, um, they did it a few times last year. They mm. introduced it with when lockdown started, because mostly because of the colleagues we have in America found it really tough working from home. Okay, they, they're used to working in offices and then having to transition to home. So it was sort of a thank you, if you like, for for carrying on working. Nice for their yeah, air conditioning too. and pools. <laughs> Um, but as it's global, so everybody yeah. in the company got to, to day off. And it's uh, bank holiday this Monday for us in the UK, a Memorial yep. Day in America. So uh, as we're mainly a UK and European uh, and American company, um, nice long weekend for Very nice. most of us. Yeah. So this morning nice. I had my second COVID jab. Woo-hoo. Thank you, NHS and AstraZeneca. And this afternoon, I've been to the dentist and had the best part of an hour's work done on a couple of fillings. Wow. <laughs> That's going to hurt, and that anaesthetic wears off. <laughs> well, it's really weird. I mean, he was ever so good. I'd recommend him to anybody, this, That's good. Uh, this dentist. I'd never seen him before. Well, I saw him a couple of weeks ago. But, mm. uh, yeah, That's good. Yeah, it was very good. Nice. And we got just got back from a little little holiday away which was How nice was it, it feels like forever ago it was really nice um nice to see you briefly on a yeah. eight hour drive um yeah. so yeah no, it was late it was nice to just kind of chill out and get a change of scenery spend change some time scenery yeah on the oh, beach we had lots of cornish pasties lots of ice cream it was great Brilliant. <laughs> drank lots of cornish gin <laughs> Were you in Cornwall by any chance? We were in Cornwall, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. we were in Devon. <laughs> <laughs> Which way round did you have your cream tea scones? Was it cream do, and jam or jam and cream? I do jam then cream. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not sure if that's so I don't I can never remember. I always think no. like with the cream, like you want loads of cream and it's difficult to have loads of cream and then put jam on top of and it, I think. It of but it, the jam but, is yeah. easier to spread and then put lots of cream on top of it i find it that's just an easy way to do it isn't it i don't know which camp that puts me in <laughs> uh, but um okay. you had a good time so while we were away as well i had a little go at surfing for the first time it was pretty cool i've uh well, i think we bodyboarded what 20 years ago um but yeah i uh <laughs> I've never surfed and I loved it. It was so much fun. And I was simultaneously better at it and worse at it than I thought I would be. So, yeah, <laughs> I I managed to get up, like, up on my knees and get like one leg up sort of thing. So okay, uh, cool. not quite full standing up, but I didn't think it was bad for like... On the water? First... Yeah, yeah, like in the sea. Brilliant. So I don't think that was terrible for my very, very first no, go. No, very it good. It took me nearly a week to recover from it. My core has not seen <laughs> very much action for quite some time but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was good fun i enjoyed it something new to try nice yeah yeah well done 
Thanks. Enjoy it while you're young. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Psych myself up for the next time. There's been some interesting true crime news this week. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, they excavated the cellar of the cafe. The clean plate. Yes. It it used to be called the pop-in or something like that. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, They didn't find anything, which was interesting. So I wonder where she is. And I wonder, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm I'm surprised actually. I generally thought they were going to find something. So, yeah, sad for her family. And the mystery continues, I guess. I think they were looking for some sort of closure, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. um, Sadly, not Mm. to be. And um, an update on the uh, Laurie and Chad Daybell case, which I follow with some interest. (laughs) Um, They've both been charged with first-degree murder of the children. And he has been charged with first-degree murder of his wife, Tammy, who they exhumed and did another autopsy on relatively recently. I remember that bit. Um, So that's interesting. And I think they're just deciding whether they're going to go for the death penalty for them, actually, because they're in a state of the death penalty. So... Oh, wow. um, That's very interesting. So, yeah, I think the the trial is due to start quite soon, I think. So, yeah, that'd be one to to watch, because that'd be quite interesting, I think, to see what comes up from there. So they've been charged and the trial has got to happen now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wasn't there a brother that died? Yeah. So her brother, Alex, died. And I think they think that he was quite instrumental in the murders as well. But he died. Was it a blood clot or something like that? Not, not it was suspicious. was a bit weird. Uh, it's all suspicious, I think, with them. Um, and then her first husband, who was Tylee's dad, he was found dead. But after he'd been dead for a little while... And there's all these videos of her saying how she would kill him if she got the chance. Um, and then her second husband was stabbed to death by her brother. Um, I'd really recommend the Mommy Doomsday podcast. Um, okay. It's a really good deep dive into it. It's a Dateline one. They did like a, a long right. run into it and there's some really good um, interviews and stuff on there. Um, so that tells the, the whole story really well, but it's so complicated and so weird. And wow. Yeah. Just, but really sad, like what happened to those two poor, poor children. Um, yeah. But it'd be really interesting to see kind of what happens to them and hopefully they get their comeuppance. Yep, absolutely. So what have you got for me tonight, Phoebe? So tonight I am going to tell you a story about a lady in Scotland. And this is one that I was going to do really, really early on. and I didn't. And um, I did actually have a different story for you tonight. And the more I read into it, the more I thought that actually you wouldn't like it. <laughs> because when I first heard about it, I thought that there was only one child involved in it. And then it ah. turned out there was quite a lot of children involved in it. So I thought, you know what, let's not do that one. So <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I've had this one in my back pocket for a little while. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll whip it out this week. Yeah, I'm not keen on the child no, murders. Really. I thought I could kind of get away with like slipping one relatively yeah. old child through. <laughs> um, but no, there was some awful things with quite young children i went i read into it further so i thought no let's not do that so (laughs) tonight yeah i I didn't really enjoy reading about it so yeah so tonight i'm gonna tell you about a lady called ella douglas so ella was a 57 year old grandmother who lived in dumfries up in scotland she had a son dougie and two grandsons who she adored she worked in a local pub and she was quite well known. A lot of people knew who she was. She was very friendly. 
everyone had good things to say about her. She was quite independent and she yeah. would go away regularly on holidays on her own. Um, but she'd always keep in touch with her family. She was really close to them. And her grandchildren were the absolute apple of her eye and would pop in to see her at the pub uh, when they'd go into town and she'd give them like juice and crisps and stuff on their way into town. So it was really out of character when in October 2000, her family just couldn't get in touch with her and they'd not heard from her. And they were just told by one of her friends that she, oh, she'd just gone away suddenly. And then they got a postcard from her, from Hadrian's Wall, and another one from the Lake District saying that she just needed to get away for a little bit just to kind of sort her head out. Um, And she sent her grandson a birthday card on the 11th of October, day before my birthday. and um and she wrote in there a little note to us and just say she was okay but she was just you know just trying to sort through some stuff um and she'd be in touch soon a couple of weeks went by and the family still hadn't heard anything from her so her daughter-in-law officially reported her missing in november 2000 her family hadn't heard from her at all since the birthday card they'd got um, and they were getting really concerned because it was really, really out of character. Like, even yeah. if she was kind of going away to kind of sort her stuff out, she'd have still been in touch with them somehow. And they spoke with the son and the daughter-in-law and, and they went to visit the house where Ella lived and it was secure. It was obviously all locked up. There was obviously nobody there. There was nothing missing. There was nothing kind of wrong there. But her passport wasn't there. There were a load of personal items not, not there, like her birth certificate and stuff like that. So I thought, well, maybe she has run away <laughs> um ella had been divorced for several years um but had started dating again and she'd started a new relationship in 1998 with a guy called Stuart allen they'd met through the local newspaper through the lonely hearts club and they'd been together for a little while but they'd separated earlier on in 2000 but it was fairly amicable they'd both started seeing new people but they'd remained quite good friends so yeah They'd still go out for lunches together. They'd still go out for little drives together. Um, but it was always very platonic. And now that she'd been missing, obviously the police were concerned about her welfare now because it had been a little while. So they started calling in everybody who she had connections with. So they spoke uh-huh. to her friends. They spoke to the people she worked with in the pub, some of the locals, the family. Um, and they spoke to Stuart because he was like a good friend of hers. Yeah. He said that she'd been staying with him for a couple of days and that he'd gone out and when she'd come back, she just disappeared. And he'd made it clear that there'd been no argument and he thought it was weird that she wasn't there, that she'd just gone, but he wasn't overly concerned about it. He said that she'd been keen for a change of scenery and was looking to leave town and that she'd been talking about this big Irish man that she'd left. So he just thought that, oh, she'd just gone off with him. But this thing about her seeing this new gentleman was unsubstantiated. They couldn't find any more evidence of this big Irish man that they were seeing. Um, and obviously the rumour mill started turning that Ella yeah. had like left, left town to go off with this Irish man. Um, and it just looked like she just tried to change her life around. But her family was still not entirely sure about what was going on because it was just not like her to do this. So about four weeks after she was reported missing, the yeah. trail had gone completely cold. Uh they had nothing (laughs) um and the police started to alert the public to her disappearance because there was just nothing it's like she just disappeared into thin air 
Um, they'd ask for any tips where she might be. Nothing came forward and her family was just getting more and more worried. But in December, after she'd been missing for a couple of months, yeah. her bank card was used over in Carlisle. So they thought, oh, okay, she's using her bank card. Maybe she really has just run away and she's just trying to start a new life. So they um, they found the banks and they, they got in touch with them and asked for the CCTV. And they started looking through the CCTV, but it was really shocking um, footage. It was really, really grainy. It was really difficult to see and they couldn't really make anything else. They couldn't conclusively say whether it was her or not. Right. So they were basically thought, okay, well, either she's alive and she's using this, but why would she be so close to home? It was only about 75 miles away from where she yeah, lived yeah. and not talking to her family. Or was somebody else using her bank card? Uh-oh. Do you think? So they sent off these videos to for some forensic testing and they knew that it was going to be a long time. And again, there was nothing. There was nothing else that happened that kind of indicated she was alive, that she was dead. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. So with nowhere else to go, the police decided to go back through the interviews um, with yeah. people that they'd spoken uh-huh. to thought you know what let's let's try again so they they went through everything and when they got back around to Stuart Allen they focused on something that he'd said about the fact that they'd often go out for meals in pubs and go for drives often over to Cumbria in his burgundy Ford Escort um but he had since sold this car to a man in a different area for 600 pounds but he didn't know the man's name which I thought was a bit weird but um they thought yeah if we can find this car we might be able to find a, some some clues or something. So the police were dead set on trying to find this car. Yep. So they went all out. They they could find no record of it being sold at all. There was nothing, which I thought was a bit weird because if you'd sold a car, there'd be some sort of record yeah. of like transfer yeah, of ownership be, or something. Exactly, like you have to fill in the DVLA forms and whatever, don't you? Absolutely. So Change thought registration that was, and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, registered that was, owner. Yeah. Yeah. So they thought that was weird. But nothing really came of it. They just thought, she's this guy acting a bit weird. Um, so in summer 2001, again, it had just gone completely cold. It had been nearly 10 months now since she disappeared. And there was just nothing. And the family were really worried. The police were really worried. They were determined more than ever to find out what was going on. So they decided to put a new team in charge of this inquiry to see if you know a fresh pair of eyes on it would happen. So the officer who was put in charge was immediately convinced that if they found that car, they mm-hmm. would have an idea about what had happened to her. Had okay. she had she run off with the car? Had she taken the car and he Maybe. was covering her back? Was there any sort of forensic evidence in the car that might have pointed to something that might have happened to her? Um, the police really upped their efforts to find it. They looked through like scrap dealers. They looked on like cameras. They put all these kind of stakeout points, but they just couldn't find it. Um, and around this time, the analysis of the CCTV came back. And it yeah. was very clear that it was a man that had been using this card in Cumbria. Not and Ella. When, not Ella. And when they looked mm-hmm. at it, they realised that it looked an awful lot like Stuart Allen. Really? He'd been using the card. Um, and this was a game changer in this case because it meant that Stuart was now an official suspect. So the police took him back in and he completely denied that it was him. He just said no. That wasn't me. They were like, what, this guy that looks just like you? He's like, no, not me. Um, 
And he still claimed that he'd sold the car when they asked him about the car, but the the police were convinced that he hadn't. Mm -hmm. And they thought that he'd either hidden it or he'd disposed of it. But they had no evidence to Mm. pin Ella's disappearance on him. And whilst maybe in England they could have arrested him under suspicion, um, in Scotland they can only arrest when they're ready to charge, I discovered. Oh, okay, really? So, yeah, so they, they can only arrest somebody if they're ready to charge them with something. So because they had no evidence, just a lot of suspicions, they had nothing on which they could charge him with. I suppose it's kind well, Yeah, in, in England, you've got, after you've made an arrest, you have so long yeah. to charge someone, haven't you? yeah. But you have to, like, I think, charge straight away in Scotland. Right, so okay. they couldn't just arrest him to, like, interview him. Yeah. They'd have had to, like, arrest him to charge him, essentially. But they, they couldn't because okay. they, they had nothing to pin on him at this point. Right. right. So the police started trying to find more evidence because he was making them feel like there was something dodgy going on. Yeah. There was just something not right about him. So they went out, full out, and did some kind of old-fashioned policing and they started uh-huh. systematically interviewing neighbours, local shop owners, local workers, yeah. people yeah. he knew. The postman had a chat with him. The police asked the postman about the car, like, had they seen it and did they know where it was? And he said, oh, yeah, he has the car and I've seen him using it and he has it out <laughs> the front and he washes it, which was obviously very different information <laughs> to the information that Stuart Allen was giving to the police, saying, and no, I've sold it, I've got rid of it. The police hadn't noticed this burgundy no. parked outside where he lives? Okay. Well, I think it wasn't always parked there. Ah, okay. <laughs> but why would he lie to them? Why would he say he'd sold it? Why would he say he hadn't got it? Unless he had something to hide. Yeah. So in August 2001, the police were tipped off that he would park the car in the local hospital car park during the week. Oh, really? Um, which is a really busy car park. And so they just didn't notice it was there. So wasting no time, as soon as they heard this, they headed straight to the hospital. And yep. on the way, coming towards them, was a Burgundy Ford Escort being driven by Stuart Allen. No way. So they started pursuing him in the car and he eventually pulled over. And as the police approached the car, a smell hit them coming from the car. Oh, a very God. unmistakable smell. And Stuart Allen was completely calm. The smell apparently had absolutely no effect on him. He was uh, quickly taken out of the car (laughs) and the car was sealed and taken away uh, for a full forensic search. Um, Hopefully they were going to find something in there, some bloodstains or something that they could kind of link Ella to the car to find out what had happened to her. So as they started searching the car, they found a huge bunch of those like mighty tree air fresheners hanging off the rear view mirror. Yeah, um, yeah. And these air freshers were just like stashed all around the car, like in all like like behind all the seats and all the doors and everything. The car was just full of air fresheners. Nice. And as the forensic team opened the boot, <laughs> they found a very large package wrapped in tarpauling oh. and cloth. And as they started to cut into it, they found carpet and human hair sticking out from one end of the package. And this is like a year? Ten months later. Ten months Wow. After she disappeared. So he was taken immediately for questioning uh, and arrested because they'd found a body in his boot. 
Um, and he refused to answer any questions, saying he didn't know anything about being in his boot. And if there was something in his boot, he had no idea that it was there, which is ridiculous because there was like a really badly decomposed body in his car that you could yeah. smell from the outside of it. So the body was obviously very badly decomposed because it had been in a boot for a year. Yeah, um, all weathers. And, oh, yeah. Imagine it if was, the sun was beating oh, down on that car in the summer months. Uh, um, and it was August when they found it. So yes. I like, wonder that it's well, I guess in Dumfries, it's probably not as uh, sunny. <laughs> um, she was partly mummified, uh, but there was loads okay. of flies and maggots and bugs and stuff around the body um, and fluids that had all just leaked everywhere. Um, and she was way too badly decomposed to identify by sight. However, she was quickly identified by her dental records as being yep. the body of Ella Douglas. Yeah. Um, and also, kind of wrapped up in this package was her handbag her jewelry her birth certificate and her passport okay um so she was taken for a post-mortem but she was so badly decomposed it was really difficult to kind of find too much out but they did work out that she'd been killed by asphyxiation right Um, okay so she hadn't just dropped dead died someone had uh, killed her so despite finding the body in his car Stuart still denied it completely. And, and not actually, it was there. I mean, so, sorry, but who uses a car for best, for 10 months and doesn't open the boot? Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> who was filling the car with these air fresheners that were definitely trying to get rid of some sort of smell? smell yeah. <sighs> yeah. And, and what, what did he think he was going to do? Yeah, well. <laughs> um, the annoying thing is, though, is that despite the fact that they found her body in his boot, there was very little other evidence linking him to the crime. Right. So there was nothing else. Okay. Um, and because she was so badly decomposed, there was like nothing they could kind of get from her. None of his DNA or None anything None of his DNA or, or anything like that. So just before he was due to stand trial, he changed his story. Right. And he actually pled guilty to culpable homicide. Um, which is the same thing as manslaughter, secondary okay. murder. So it's still a murder, but without that kind of premeditation or like recklessness, abandon of murder sort of thing. So um, hot blooded rather than cold blooded. Hot blooded rather than cold blooded, yes. But I don't know how hot blooded you have to be to wrap somebody up in a tarpaulin and keep them in your boot for a year. In Scotland, even in the case of a plea deal, so even if somebody says, actually, you know what, I did it, they, yep. the trial still goes ahead so that everyone can hear all the evidence to help with the sentencing. Okay. They yeah. went ahead with the with the trial. Um, and the defence presented a case that there'd been an argument the morning of Ella's death, following on from which Stuart had grabbed Ella around the throat and strangled her to death, um, and that he'd accidentally pressed too hard and strangled her. That's that's quite accidentally, isn't it? Like it takes yeah. quite. I've never done it, but I think it takes quite a lot to strangle a person to death. Yeah, well, I was going to say if if she'd been strangled, the um, a fracture of the hyoid mm. bone is usually an indication of strangulation. Yeah, so I think maybe that's kind of what they found when they um, did the post mortem. They just said asphyxiation, but they could yeah. Yeah, because um, asphyxiation itself, like if they put a plastic bag, bag over her head yeah. or pillow over her face or whatever yeah, that's true there wouldn't be much physical evidence of that left after that amount of time no that's true maybe it was strangulation hmm. either way yeah. he, he killed her yeah well yeah. <laughs> there seems to be um well you'll tell me if there's any doubt on that <laughs> 
so apparently he claimed that he was at a loss with what to do after he'd accidentally killed her and he sat with her body for eight hours deciding what he should do with it and then he felt that he it had just gone too far after eight hours to report it and that he couldn't just bury her and he just thought it would go away if he just put her in the boot and drove around with her that was his defense he just didn't really know what to do and just thought it would all blow over <laughs> which doesn't sound like that good of a defense to me <laughs> Um, and this no. is the first time that the police had been made aware of this. So, like, through all of those times that had questioned him and spoken to him, he had never mentioned any of this. Even after they'd found her body, he'd never said anything about this at all. And it just seemed a bit weird that he was just kind of coming up with this story now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prosecution, on the other hand, um, thought, you know, it was murder. <laughs> um, and they detailed everything that he had done to conceal her body so the fact that you know he'd bound up her hands with tape and he'd bound her legs with electrical cord he'd wrapped yep. her in plastic that was all taped up in lots of places and then he dropped her in a carpet and then put her in the car and covered that up um with all her stuff like he was really methodical he'd gone to mm-hmm. great lengths to avoid being connected to the body and also the car which he'd lied about said he'd got rid of yeah that he'd hit in the car park um, and the prosecution also wanted to pursue a charge of perverting the course of justice. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they found in the boot things like gaffer tape, a shovel, a torch. <laughs> and they think that what he was doing on that day when they actually caught him was he was taking the car to get rid of the body, to dispose of it on that day so that they wouldn't find it. Because I think he kind of thought that they were getting to yeah, him. <laughs> he, he thought they were onto him. Onto him, mm, yeah. Okay. Um, hiding the body was seen as literally perverting the course of justice yeah, because yeah. by hiding it for such a long time it meant that it was really difficult for them to find out exactly how she died and his actions of hiding it had just stopped for justice from being done for her because they couldn't figure out exactly yeah. how she died how violent it had been none of that so they could never fully kind of give her justice for what happened to her is, is there another charge as well about um I don't know what, what the wording is, but like tampering mis- with a body, yeah, misuse of a dead body, sort of thing. Um, not not dealing with a dead body properly. I know that's a that's a charge in America because um, there's that cult that um, they that they've just found the leader of that dead, mummified, covered in fairy lights, and her eyes are missing, <laughs> and they've charged okay. people with a yeah, you know, it's a great Necronomapod uh, episode about that, um, but there's. Um, and they've charged the, the people who they found with that as like tampering with the body or mistreatment of a corpse or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Mistreatment of a corpse or uh, failing to report a death and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All all of those things. <laughs> yeah. All of those well, things. mind you, if you murder someone, you're not going to report their death, are you? So, well, no. Well, unless yeah. it's part of your plot. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's 10 months later and you're trying to um, get a more lenient sentence. So, with, I, I don't know if you know or not, but with this system it he he pled guilty to uh second degree murder or culpable homicide yeah but as it went to trial could they change that i don't think so because Can they say pled no we think you're guilty of first degree murder yeah okay i don't think so but i think that like in america if you take a plea deal they don't yeah change it try to up it do they I guess that's of you, but so they were never able to prove that he'd used the card or that oh. he'd forged that card to her grandson. 
but they think that he probably did and that she was probably already dead by then. Yeah, yeah. And those postcards that they'd sent from Cumbria were probably sent from him, probably not from her. She was probably already dead by then. And they recognised their grandmother's... No, I thought that. I did think that, but... Um, okay. Fair enough. Um, but the police were pretty confident that he'd been involved in those things. So he was sentenced to eight years in prison eight for the culpable homicide of, of Ella Douglas and then three for perverting the course of justice to be served concurrently. Now that oh. means at the same time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how you do two services, like do two sentences at once. That makes no sense to me. So they put you in like a worse prison. I don't understand that at all. But he was actually released after just four years in 2007 when he was age 68. Don't tell me they needed more room in the jails for <laughs> other things. Yeah, this uh, Dutch guy, who, Danish guy. <laughs> who, uh... <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so he is free as far as I can find out. I think he's still alive. Um, okay. Maybe he died of COVID. I don't know. Um, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, he's still alive. And obviously his, the, her family were devastated at such yeah. a short, lenient sentence. Um, and she had the most horrific end and he got to just spend four years in jail before he yeah. was released. I wonder what his motive was. I know. I don't think they ever really got to that. I don't think he ever really kind of got I it mean, out. If he, I if he it... used a card once, I mean, that could hardly be... It's not money, is it? Motive. For... I wonder no. if it was jealousy or he was not no. happy that the relationship had ended or something like that. Maybe. And I read something that said that um, he used to go to the pub that she worked at after he'd killed her. And sit there chatting to like her friends who worked behind the bar and stuff, saying, "Oh, you know," and talk about how sad it was and what an awful thing it was. And they're wow. all gobsmacked when they found out that it was him because he'd been coming in for all that time talking about what a sad thing it was. So that is the uh, quite sad but quite shocking and also quite gruesome story yeah, of Ella Douglas. Yeah, and, and relatively recently as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Just I just gruesome. can't believe she was in a boot for like ten months. Yeah, and nobody noticed. Like, did no one notice that the car that it reeked? Yeah, you think all oh, that smells. And and how did he park his car at a hospital car park for weeks, literally a week at a time? How did he afford it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cost a small fortune. Wait, don't they have free hospital car park in Scotland? Oh, they might do, yeah. <laughs> you could <laughs> not get away with that in this country. In, in, no. in England, no. <laughs> no, you have to move into wow. the car. I would have to afford a house at the same time. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> totally bonkers. Totally by chance that they saw him yeah. driving towards them when they've been tipped off. Because um, if he had managed to get away and get rid of the body, they might have never found her at all. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, thank goodness for the postman, I suppose, because they uh, if you hadn't tipped them yeah. off about the car, they might never have looked for it. You're right. Close to home. Thanks, Mr. Postman. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you that very much. A... No, it's a, it's a great, great true crime story from the UK, yeah. from Scotland. From Scotland. It's still, it's still just about part of the UK, isn't it? <laughs> Clinging on It there. is at the moment, yeah. <laughs> Um, I remember seeing. I moment. saw it on. I, I first heard of it because I remember seeing it on telly a few years ago. Right. It was like a town and country murder, I think it was. And that image of the air fresheners. Oh yeah, I just like was stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Him just uh, ignoring that there was the smell of this awful decomposing body in his boot. Oh, yeah, and as I say, how 
how anybody that just happened to be in the vicinity of the car wouldn't have been able to pick up on that. Yeah. This might sound really weird, but I kind of want to know what a dead body smells like. Because everyone's like, oh, so you just mate, you know exactly what it is. And I'm like... Get a bit of pork and leave that outside somewhere. I'm sure that would do. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder if it smells like tripe, because tripe smells pretty horrific. Well, it's the decomposition, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So if um, if you if you get a piece of a pork chop, say, yeah. stick it in a plastic and just leave it outside doing the... Yeah, it's a nice warm sunny day. Yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> I think whatever's in that plastic bag afterwards <sighs> will give you an idea. That'd be really interesting. And that's the amazing thing, though, because if you did do that, if you got a pork chop out of the fridge, which yeah. is relatively fresh, and sealed it in a plastic bag, there'd I'd be flies in anything, it. There'd be flies in yeah. it. So where do those flies come from? Isn't that from? weird? I was, um, yeah. I remember someone saying that to you about at the hospice. Like, like flies just come straight yeah. away. Well, I think we had we had some pork chops or something, and they'd gone beyond their date, and they'd never been opened in the, the tray. Yeah, and I think I just put them straight in the bin, and I, and I remember then that the next time I looked in the bin, there were flies and maggots inside that sealed tray of pork chops. So where did that come from? They just get into everything, don't they? But how did it get in? It must have been in the meat before it was sealed. <laughs> Surely. Or do they just I... like burrow themselves in? Do they make like tiny, tiny holes and just kind of burrow through? Maybe. Or do they like Maybe. lay eggs? Like like make tiny holes and like lay eggs in there sort of thing? I don't know. But, Either but, way, it's but, disgusting. But it was but like... necessary. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Gross. I think that'll probably give you an idea because I think pig and human are supposed to be quite similar yeah, in a number true. of ways. <laughs> but then again, that is meat that's being cut off a, in a butchered in a butchered way when you've got a body, I suppose. With like stuff that's digesting and, and that's what starts to smell, isn't it? Like all the organs and everything that are breaking yeah. down and everything as well. So maybe it doesn't quite smell. By that point as well, she'd probably done most of her decomposing if she was already like partially mummified. Yeah. And if they couldn't tell who she was by looking at her, like they had to use enter records, so like you couldn't look at her and say who she was. She's obviously quite decomposed, wasn't she? So there must have been other points where she smelled even worse. That uh, that book we both read, Doctor Richard Shepherd, he there's a bit in there about decomposition, isn't yeah, there? And how, yeah. How a body can change. The body blows up because yeah. of all the gases and things. And uh... so you see badgers on the side of the road, and they're like balls because they've just all bloated up. From where they've been like hit. I saw one yesterday actually that was just like it's very clever just... though. It yeah. is clever how you just break yourself down essentially at the end. Because there's a compost thing here in the in the garden. Oh yeah. And some and if I've got like I never use the compost and perhaps I should. Yeah. There's <laughs> an episode. Whenever I've got... Sorry, go for it. I was gonna say whenever I've got like uh, anything vegetable, banana skins or old potatoes or dried up carrots or anything, I tend to put them in there and, mm. and stuff. And somehow or other, the level of this thing goes down. And whenever you lift it up, it's quite fascinating. And I quite like looking to see yeah. <laughs> how much is decomposed. And There's what's an going on. episode of Peppa Pig when they've got this compost heap and they take the food to it and then they open the bottom and they take the soil out the bottom of yeah. it. And Grandpa Pig's like explaining to them like how it works and stuff, which I think yeah. is really interesting. Well, I mean, it's usually full of... Um flies oh, yeah. and slugs and all sorts of creepy crawlies in there that sort of just 
and Break bacteria. It Sometimes yeah. there's like blooms of mold growing off something that's been in there. Sometimes there isn't. It, it changes all the time. Yeah. And I think I used to get really freaked out by the idea of rotting or decomposing. But actually, the older I get, I like that idea more than the idea of being burnt, like mm-hmm. set on fire and like what's left of you kind of going back to nature it's rather natural. than it being burnt and you're essentially getting evaporated into the atmosphere. Yeah, It's natural. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's what, yeah, every living thing is designed yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. Literally, every yeah. living thing is designed to do that. Yeah. yeah, there's typical man coming in here, yeah. speeding up the process, making it more convenient. Squirrels haven't invented <laughs> cremation, have they? I got this idea of these like squirrels <laughs> standing around this pyre. Like, <laughs> I can't think of any other species that. Well, actually, that that may be wrong. That maybe there are other species that do do something with their dead. Yeah, they eat it. <laughs> Maybe they do, yeah. Yeah. So well, thank you, you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for telling me that tale this evening. You are welcome. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Any pictures to share? Yeah, those pictures. I'll yeah. um, I'll share some pictures on the gram um, when I've done that. Okay. So that's our Instagram page, which is Dad and Daughter Do Death, and on our Facebook page. Dad and daughter do death. And if you'd like to contact us by email, we can be found at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast on many platforms. Yep, yeah, this one and our previous 16 episodes uh, yeah. on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn. TuneIn, yeah. Podbean. I think that's it. Probably where you're listening right now. You can probably find it. If you haven't found us, you won't be listening to it. No, you will not be hearing this little (laughs) bit at the end. So So it looks like we've had some listeners uh, across the United States. Yeah. 15 in Oregon, which is really exciting. So, hey, Oregon, if you're listening. (laughs) It's a state I'd really like to visit one day. Yeah. Out there on that West Coast. Maybe, I don't know, I'm looking behind me because I don't have a map of America behind me. It's been a long day. (laughs) (laughs) Where you're looking, it looks like you're looking behind me. Oh, okay. I've got a map of America America just on the wall here above above where I'm looking at the screen. (laughs) Look there, there's Oregon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I literally looked at my wall to look at your map on your wall. Yeah. (laughs) And do you say someone in Florida? Has... Uh, there's there's one person in Florida. Say so hello, person in Florida. <laughs> hey, Florida. Um, there was a real mix of some people in Kansas, which is pretty exciting. So, wow, hi uh, Kansas. Yeah, and yeah. Belgium. There's some, some people in Belgium, which I'm aware isn't in America, but uh, there's some people in Belgium and Spain. So uh, okay. Canada as well, and obviously the UK. So yeah. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. And hopefully we still have a listener in Wisconsin too. Yeah, just the one. Hi, Wisconsin. <laughs> Hello, Wisconsin. It's lovely to uh, to know that you're listening to us. Yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, I will be telling you a tale of true crime from Europe next week, Phoebe. I'm excited. Thank you. So, uh, 
yeah so why don't you join us again next time when dad and daughter do death